Hey guys, my name is Nathan Pierre. Welcome back to the Be A Man podcast. I'm happy you guys are back. Uh, we are in a very, very interesting time. We're a couple days away from the election. Uh, things are very, very interesting right now, to say the least. Uh, but I'm happy to be here with my buddy Alex Buffard up in Maryland. Uh, just having a very frank conversation on why debating and how we debate and how we value different people's opinions and discuss different thought processes is important. Um, Alex, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, absolutely, Nate. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? We're two, we're two days away from, well, some people think we'll know the night of, some people think it'll be a couple days after, a couple weeks after on who's president. But, and that's not even the point of the discussion, but how have you seen people in your own life debate and how have you seen them do it well or do it poorly? And what do you think about how people view political or even social discourse nowadays? Yeah, I mean, obviously I think I'm not alone in saying I think we're terrible at it. I think that in general, as a society, as a, not even just a nation, but just the whole world has become so addicted to sound bites. Hmm. And um, too often we look for the worst in people and we wait for the aha moments. Hmm. I got you. There you said it. Uh, I think you see that in presidential debates. That's just a really good microcosm of, uh, oh, there it is. Did you hear that? He said right. it, right? And and appealing to a base that already believes what you believe. But in the midst of all that, I have been encouraged this year uh, in a few ways. Some of the discussions that we've had as two guys from, with very different backgrounds yeah. that align in so many ways and come to different conclusions on certain things, uh, as well as uh, in my work. So I was sharing with you uh, the story of in my workplace, I am um, I am outnumbered, you could say, when it, in terms sure. of I'm a, I'm a married white guy and most of the guys that I work directly with are married African-American guys. Right. Um, and that difference leads us to different conclusions on certain things. But, sure. So I'm a Baptist Christian, right? I'm a Christian uh, by the grace of God, and I'm a Baptist by conviction. Hmm. Um, and I work for an, an entity that is the Baptist. I work for the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. So the people that I work closely with are wonderful, godly people. And we agree on, dare I say, everything hmm. at a foundational level. I mean, theologically, we align. And politically, and I'll, get, I'll talk more about that in a second, we align mm. um, in terms of what the problems are and what needs to be fixed because we're looking at those things from a gospel perspective. But often this year in different um, podcasts, I help produce a podcast at my job, mm. and we've had a lot of discussions on there, and uh, as well as people I work closely with uh, within our organization, we often... Um, are able to have some good discussions where we see the same problems and we see them through a gospel lens and we just prioritize them differently. So, mm. for instance, uh, the top of my, um, my political concern is the issue of abortion. Sure. I also think that um, systemic racism is real and it's alive. It's not a thing of the past. Yeah. Um, I think that um, we have a huge issue with poverty, particularly in inner cities, that needs to be addressed. Yeah. We're in the middle of a global pandemic that's real and serious and needs to be addressed. And, you know, we could go on and on. And 
I find that most people I speak to agree that those are the issues. Right. And we agree within probably 85 or 90% of what the end result needs to be. We just disagree on basically how we prioritize Prioritizing, yeah. So what I found, that's a long roundabout way of saying, what I found is that when I speak to many African-American Christians as a white American Christian, we agree about pretty much everything, but we may prioritize those things differently. Mm -hmm. And in our society, that often gets to this, well, then you're wrong and, and I'm right. And then when people start fighting and looking past the fact that we agree about pretty much all of it, it's just when it comes down to voting, am I going to vote for this as the number one issue, mm -hmm. the number one priority, or that as the number one priority? So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, because I, I think uh, for me, all of those issues you named are things that uh, the more time I spend in the States either uh, affect me in very different ways. So it makes sense that the conclusion isn't that like this doesn't matter or this is less than. It's just the priority of, you know, how you take that into your how you apply that in your conviction when you go into the ballot box. Um, it's not that those issues don't matter. They do matter. Right. You you can sit down with your counterparts at work and say, yeah, we agree these things are, are things that are flawed in the depravity of man that need to be addressed. I just prioritize them differently than you. Right. And, you know, another thing, 100%, another thing with that is it's so easy to look at somebody and see how what little bubble they filled in on their ballot yeah. and ascribe to them all the mistakes and all the baggage that comes with that candidate and that party and that those ideological beliefs. But in reality, your vote is one of, I mean, how many people in the United States? 350 million, yeah, something like that. right? Maybe not everybody votes, but you're one in 350 million. And you don't agree and don't align with everything for whatever candidate you choose. And so when you think about how minimal an impact, our voting, our vote is a privilege and it's yeah, something absolutely. you should do yeah. and it's wonderful, but it's not the end all be all. And it does not define your soul. Hmm. What defines your soul is who you are and how you behave and what you believe in and not what, what box you checked off based yeah. on your conviction and your priorities. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So I know we talked a little bit about today being Reformation Day. Um, I know y'all are excited about that, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> which is awesome. Um, but as we've seen people in America debate or even have ongoing discourse, I, for one, am discouraged by how I've seen it play out. That people, you know, who you vote for becomes the extreme of what that party represents. And it tells you everything that people think they need to know about you. And that's so troubling because humans are are not one-dimensional people. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that so much of that, you know, leans or leads to these really hard uh, divisions in our society. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, thinking about the Reformation in light of the United States choosing this week, already in the midst of choosing who uh, is going to be the... The, the punching bag for mm -hmm. all of our complaints for the next four yeah, years, no whoever it is. Yeah. Um, it is interesting thinking about everything that's happened in the church and in the world going back to 1517 when Luther nailed the theses, right? And I think about, first of all, as a Protestant, Reformation Day is a happy thing, it's a good mm -hmm. thing. It's like, wow, 
thank God that one, how did Martin Luther get sixty like sixty eight years mm-hmm. on this earth without being burned at the stake <laughs> when so many before him did yeah. less and got killed for it? Right, yeah. the dude was a a lion of a man yeah. who fought for what he believed, and in a lot of ways the, the Reformation as a a Protestant Christian, I think of it a very positive. Wow. Now, it was this crusade where we're taking back some of the fundamental tenets of our beliefs. But the other side of that that's interesting to me that I think I'm seeing this year for the first time as I, I look at our world and the state of it is that I probably align with your average Catholic believer as a Protestant Christian. Like I said earlier, I'm a Baptist. Yeah. I agree with Catholics in many ways more than I agree with many Protestants about things. Right. For instance, there's, there's a hyper-charismatic movement that I don't agree with theologically for a bunch of reasons. Yeah. Uh, not that doesn't mean everything they do is bad, but sure, certain things. Sure. I and I, I look to Catholics and I'm like, oh, your teaching on the Trinity is rock solid. Hmm. It's great. And your teachings on, you know, and, and so thinking through that, that there was corruption that needed to be addressed, I believe, in the Catholic Church. But 500 plus years later, we haven't actually gotten further apart. We've probably gotten closer together. So the Reformation happened, and there's this polarization, like we're at each other's throats. And now I think coming full circle, I as a student of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and yeah. uh, working for the Southern Baptist Convention and being thoroughly Protestant, actually recognizing and celebrating Reformation Day, yeah. like it's a good thing, yeah. I can look and say, hey, you know, over the years, we've talked about doctrine and we've figured things out and some of the corruption has been addressed in the Catholic Church, some of it hasn't. We've realized that in some ways we can do it better ourselves as Protestants, in some ways we can't. And we've been able to, I think, come closer together, at least in my life, where I can say, hey, I think there's a lot of things about the Catholic Church that we're indebted to. And uh, I like to think that Luther, who was a Catholic monk for half of his life, and then, you know, kicked off the Reformation, would be proud of the unity that does exist through years and years of dialogue. And we could point to different councils and discussions and books and friendships. and But I do think that there's, um, there's a level of camaraderie that we can get to ultimately if we hear each other out and don't completely write each other off. Does that make sense? Absolutely, 100%. There's such a, there's such a beauty um, in listening to someone's uh, opinion and thought process on... It could be politics, it could be theology, it could be whatever. And just to hear them out and say, you know what? I I see why you see this this way. I disagree with the conclusion that you've come to. Yeah. And that's fine. But I see it and I understand that. And I think what's wrong with how most Americans dialogue is you don't actually listen to listen. You listen to find something that you can tear apart and then bring the sucker punch back and say, gotcha, you right. know? And, like, that's how we watch the debates. It's like, okay, we're going to wait until he says this, and then he's going to say this and counterpunch, and then it'll be done. Right, there's no winning. Right. Nobody wins, everybody loses. You know, I think of it this way, with using the Reformation as an example, but applying that to our modern dialogue on politics, recognize that the opposing view is going to live longer than you will. <laughs> so Luther... Doesn't want to cause division. He nails the 95 Theses on the door, right, in Wittenberg. And and immediately, these people are like, hey, we need to shut this down. We need to shut this guy up, or it's going to ruin everything. Yeah. And guess what? They didn't. And now, for years, Protestants have tried to do the same thing. There's been all kinds of discrimination. In the other way, where, where Protestants are like, we need to, Catholics are bad. They're Papists. We need to get rid of it, right? 
and the Catholic Church is still around, and, and the Reformed tradition is still around, and wouldn't it be better if we just learned to live with each other? Figure out where we disagree. Figure out for yourself. That's what the Reformation is about. Yeah. Reading the Bible for yourself. Understanding it for yourself. Trying to correct where there's errors. And then loving God and loving others. Yeah. Because ultimately it stems from the teaching of Jesus. So as Matthew 7 and Matthew 12, the golden rule, love your neighbor as, uh, or treat others when you want to be treated, and then love God and love others. Yeah. Right? And so th- if that's our framework, whether it's the Reformation or political discourse, I think that's got to be the, the filter for us. Yeah. That I'm not going to eradicate this idea. It's going to live longer than I will. Yeah. So I'm going to learn to live with it and help other people that think like me learn to live with it and coexist. Yeah. There's, a, there's a beauty in learning to live in that, um, that I think once people understand and can appreciate, uh, we can move past these you know sing, singular issues, be deciding on whether we like our neighbors or not, and then just loving our neighbors living and you can disagree with somebody and that's fine but living in an echo chamber man i see this so much i have so many conversations with people and when they talk they're not even talking from their own independent thought they're talking from this constantly affirmed rhetoric that they spew from the echo chambers that they live in and it's so exhausting because you're you're sitting having a conversation with somebody and they're not even really talking. They're just like spewing out something that anytime they talk about it with people that agree with them, they're like, Yeah, this is great, absolutely. Right. And you you don't you don't create any depth. Right. Because you're you're good at the level. Everybody else in that echo chamber is good at the level that they're that they're at. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I had a friend in uh, in high school, and uh, I was giving him a hard time, and I said, you know, what would you ever do if you'd, like, met yourself? Because he, <laughs> he had made me mad, and he was like, man, I would hate myself. I would never want. There's only room in this world for one me. And it's funny that that's so simple, and it's just we chuckled at it, but I, I actually often think back at that to remember, hey, not everyone has to be like me. And if everyone was like me, all of my blind spots and all of my yeah. weaknesses would be the world's weaknesses. And then where would we be? Right. And so I think too often on social media and in conversations in this day and age, we're trying to conform people into the image of ourselves. You've got to believe what I believe and be in my tribe and think my thoughts and do right. my things. And then what is that? If you think like practical theology, what is that? That's, that's pride. That's self-righteousness. Yeah. That's thinking that you're better than everyone else. So me trying to make you think like me and do what I would do is, is me... Uh, assuming that I am better than you, mm-hmm. and therefore you should be like me. Be like me, yeah. And that's that's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. That's not helpful dialogue. That's not even American. Yeah. Right. It's unity through diversity. It's being made in the image of God and enjoying all the ways, all the facets that that plays out. That's that kind of. Uh, Doctor Tony Evans calls it kingdom diversity. I think that's a beautiful term. Mm. That's exactly what we should be striving for that it's so subversive so different than what exists in our our modern culture yeah dude that's powerful man thank you for sitting down and having this conversation (laughs) this is awesome man um i think so my my challenge to folks listeners is to go out sit down and have a conversation with somebody that you know disagrees with you could be someone on social media it could be whatever Give them a call, sit down, have a cup of coffee, do whatever, 
and listen, actually be willing to listen to them. Um, not listening from a perspective of I'm going to wait until you say something that I disagree with and then I'm going to come back with a sucker punch, but actually sit down and listen and try to learn something um, instead of convincing them why you're right. And you'll learn something from them because most of what we believe and what shapes our belief comes from our personal experiences. So if you sit down with somebody, if anything, you get to learn their experiences right? and why that's shaped them as a person. So that's the challenge I guess we'll see who's America's punching bag in two days or whenever we find right. out. But thank you, man. Thanks for having this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Nate. And regardless of who wins, um, we're called to respect them. Yeah. Recognize that God put them there. It's Romans 13. I got to teach that last week, which was beautiful for, for me and for my soul, was to realize that whoever's in power, the grounds in Romans 13 is respect, honor those in authority, because of God, because mm. God put them there. Rebellion against them, rebellion against God. Because what we're, we're we don't want to be controlled. Because why? We think we're smarter. We think we know, right. and we don't. Right. So sit down with somebody and assume that they know more than you. This yeah, week. get something out of it. That's awesome. All right, thanks, guys. We will talk to you all soon. Bye.